What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back on the video. Week one, almost in the books. We have one more game tonight. Should be a really, really fun game to watch, but only one more game. And then we're on to week two. Uh, every Monday afternoon, we're gonna do this video, talk about the upcoming waiver wire, talk about the players we should be adding, putting claims in for, things like that. So let's start off with, uh, I would say a semi-surprise rookie performance, uh, and that's Puka Nakua. Uh, and I say semi-surprise because it's not a surprise that he was the top receiver for the Rams. He was someone we talked about um, drafting late in best ball, being someone that, you know, we thought had upside this season. The surprise came that, you know, I thought that maybe he would lead the team in targets with like six or seven uh, and that, you know, maybe at some point uh, with a healthy Cooper Cup, he could be like the wide receiver two on the team, like at some point uh, ends week one. Leading the league with 15 targets, was second with a 41% target share, top five in expected fantasy points. I mean, given any model, some people have it at two, but any model, top five. So it wasn't just that he got lucky. He was seeing significant high upside volume, was eighth in air yards. Like those are wide receiver one numbers. Now, he's not going to be a wide receiver one this season, or at least very unlikely to be since obviously when Cooper Cup comes back, those numbers are going to come crashing down, but the earliest Cup can return is week five. Uh, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. It could be pushed to week six, week seven, week eight. Let's be honest. He could suffer another re-injury, could miss the whole season. Like We just we don't know what's going to happen. So because there's a bunch of range of outcomes there, the point is he's going to have a really good role, Puka here. He's going to have a really, really good role for the next few weeks, and then who knows after that, but at a baseline, he needs to be rostered. Uh, brutal matchup, unfortunately, next week. They play the 49ers. I think we saw you know, a Steelers offense this week that is going to be good. The Steelers are going to be good this season. going to have a lot of really good games. Just gets completely shut down by the 49ers. 49ers, Cowboys, two defenses. We're just not going to be want to targeting in fantasy. So that's not fantastic. Um, but Puka needs to be rostered. He should probably be the top wide receiver uh, on free agency unless you're in a super small league where there's like you know ridiculous names. He's the one to go after. Um, same kind of story around Tutu Atwell. Personally, I would much rather go after Puka, not just because he had so many more targets, so much more usage. Tutu is just not a player that I personally believe in long term. I could see in a game where they're not throwing the ball as much, him easily dropping down to like, you know, two or three targets. Uh, when Cup comes back, I could see him having just, you know, a very, very small role on this team. And even before Cup comes back, I don't think, like, that was probably one of his better performances he's going to have. I just, I don't personally believe in the talent. If you do, go after him. And I think he's totally fine. If you want to put a claim in for Puka, you don't get that. Have a second claim in there for Tutu Atwell. I think that's a totally fine way to approach it. Uh, but yeah, he's not someone I'm super excited to get. And I definitely don't think I'd be playing him against 49ers next week. Um, we'll see where Puka kind of gets in the rankings. Um, I do want to break down the Patriots wide receiver room pretty quickly. Um, we had Kendrick Bourne ran 54 routes. Um, Kayshawn Booty ran 43. Juju 27. Demario Douglas 27 as well. And that was with Devonta Parker out. All of those likely come down, honestly, most weeks because they threw the ball so many times. But percentage-wise, also come down when Parker is back. Bourne did look by far the best among the wide receivers for the Patriots. Uh, his playing time is unlikely to change significantly when Parker returns, but we've seen in the past that Bourne will play well and then the Patriots just don't feel like using him. You got to think though, I mean, again, 
he looked way better than everyone else on that roster. Uh, so you got to think he's getting snaps. Uh, but also remember, this is a Patriots offense that does not want to throw the ball 54 times. Like it was three more pass attempts Mac Jones had than any other game in his career. They're not going to throw the ball over 50 times a game. Teams don't do that, especially not the Patriots. Um, but again, Bourne looked good. Uh, New England has a very difficult schedule, hardest schedule in the NFL. So, I mean, they don't want to throw the ball that much, but they're going to be losing most weeks at some point, not winning by a ton in second halves very many times. And so they're going to have to throw the ball a decent amount. So I would consider Bourne in like 12-team leagues. I feel like in 8- and 10-team leagues, maybe you don't need to go there. But if you're in a 12-team league, I'd say it's unlikely that like your last wide receiver spot is better than a shot on Kendrick Bourne because we don't really know but if he's going to be their best wide receiver if he's going to be the most used have really good usage downfield usage had a lot of air yards this week like what I would do is I put a claim in for Puka then I put one in for Bourne and then I put one in for Tutu that's probably how I'd approach this week since all three are pretty unlikely to be rostered we're going to close the video uh, with two players I can just mention them now Algier and uh, Nico Collins that I'm pretty sure rostered in most leagues, but I would say, okay, Nico may be number one, but Puka and Nico probably very, very close. We'll see how that sorts itself out. Uh, I'm going to have the exact rankings on the website ordered from like best to worst for the waiver claims, how much you'd put in fab. But I would say like Nico and Puka should be at the top there, then Kendrick Bourne, then Tutu Atwell. That's how I'd approach that. And then if you wanted to in like 12 team leagues and on, go after Allen Robinson, I don't know the extent of the Deontay Johnson injury right now. I think we'll find that out this week. Um, but Allen Robinson, decent amount of targets, especially if you're in like a full PPR league and kind of get those short area targets there. If Deontay Johnson's going to miss time, Allen Robinson, who was already seeing you know decent amount of targets, is going to see a significant amount more. Uh, but I would say like with a healthy Pickens, a healthy Deontay, Allen Robinson won't be that amazing. But like Pat. Frymuth got hurt, Deontay got hurt, and so there's a potential here in the short term. Allen Robinson's kind of a little bit of a target hog, and so keep track of that. Again, not really someone you probably need to go after in 8 or 10 team leagues. Uh, switching to running back, the number one overall claim, so I would say even ahead of the wide receivers this week, is Kyron Williams, in my opinion. Um, I do want to say that Sean McVay has duped us before. He's given significant usage to running backs, and especially with this Cam Akers situation, he's given no usage to Akers, and then a bunch of usage, and then no usage. Like He, he kind of goes back and forth with these decisions, um, but it seems like Kyron's, I don't want to say the guy, but he's got a, a stronger workload. Um he was used fewer for like, if you look at overall touches. So if you only look at the box score, yes, Akers had more touches, but Kyron outsnapped Akers 53 to 28. He ran 29 pass routes to Akers four. Again, Akers had 22 carries on 28 snaps. So when he was on the field, he was being used. Uh, number one, Rams aren't going to win that many games this season. And it was a positive game script. Number two, 22 carries, 29 yards embarrassing like horrific production production from cam Akers. so it's not like he got those 22 touches and like yeah i gotta keep doing that it was 29 total yards uh it's not like kyron was great honestly but at least he gained 52 yards on his 15 carries he did score two touchdowns to Akers. one um kyron was someone i personally wish i was higher on earlier in the process in the last like honestly probably only two weeks of the summer we got that athletic report that was indicating that as we talked about in videos, like Kyron was going to get some early down usage. He was going to be that third down back. And so we were like, well, if they're going to lose a lot of games, like maybe Kyron's even the one you want over Cam Akers. And Akers was going significantly earlier. So we started taking him in round like 17, 18 of underdog. 
wish that report had come out earlier. Wish we'd had uh, started that a little bit earlier because uh, I don't think many people got him in redraft leagues. But uh, regardless, we know at this point it seems like it was legit. If we had that report in the summer, then we see it. Even in a positive game script, one that's like, well, actually, that should have been a Cam Akers game. Akers just didn't play very well. Kyron looked better. Kyron, in my opinion, is the top waiver ad. Um, again, I'll have on the website exactly how much fab uh, you should be spending on him. Uh, but yeah, I think he's the, he's worth like the number one claim. Uh, especially like maybe not the number one claim uh, if let's say you went running back heavy. Let's say you hit. I have a league that showed you guys I started off Eckler and Pollard, right? I'm obviously not starting Kyron over those two. But even having invested heavily in them, it's not like all of my running backs are going to work out. All of my bench players are going to work out. I have to look back at that team. I don't exactly remember who I have. But I can guarantee you there's someone on my bench that didn't perform that well, that it's worth just throwing them in there. Uh, but if you happen to draft like five running backs that you love, you don't want to get rid of any of them, and you don't want to spend the more claim on Kyron Williams, sure, I just think getting a running back that has a good workload, even on a bad team, is worth it. So I wouldn't save it. I would just use them. Um, Next up is talking about the Baltimore running back, someone I actually think uh, a lot of people will use the number one claim on, and I would not personally. So we had Dobbins dominate the snaps before his injury. He played 79% of the offensive snaps. He likely would have had two, maybe three touchdowns this week had he not gotten injured, but then he tears his Achilles. Uh, I'm not going to say his career is over, but like, let's be honest, he tore... He had like a significant injury where he tore his ACL, plus other stuff went wrong with his knee, comes back and tears his Achilles, like kind of back to back. And so going to be tough for him to like break out at this point, uh, really unfortunate. And it's why he was holding out, why he wanted to try and get the money because it's such a dangerous position. You can just be done at any point. Um, he goes down. Um, Hill was kind of getting usage. Before he goes down, after he goes down, Gus and Hill kind of rotate in and out. Uh, it's Hill that scores two touchdowns, but it was just that, right? He had eight carries for 22 yards. Justice Hill did not command a single target. Um, that can kind of be due to a number of reasons. We had Dobbins go down, and then Baltimore was just up the whole game. Uh, it was a matchup that kind of favored them running the ball. So even though they're going to throw the ball more this season... Houston is a matchup where you don't really want to throw the ball. They have a pretty good pass defense. You want to be running it. So they're kind of a run funnel. And so we didn't see as many targets. Maybe those targets do get elevated because obviously Gus isn't commanding any. So maybe Justice Hill does get a few targets each week. Something you want to look at. Uh, my opinion is maybe they go after Kareem Hunt. Maybe they go after Leonard Fournette. Those guys are still out there. I wouldn't be shocked to see them, you know, at least bring them in for like a practice, do something there. I wouldn't be shocked to see them elevate Melvin Gordon. Like there's a number of things they could do to where it's like if you're actually going to spend number one claim on like Gus or Justice Hill, there's a lot of ways that could go wrong. And honestly, very few ways it can go like extremely right because I don't think they're going to feature anyone. They were featuring Dobbins, but now they don't have someone that's that good. So I wouldn't personally. Um, I think he's worth putting a little bit of fab, uh, both Gus and Hill. Uh, but I think the amount that I'm going to recommend, people will get beaten by. Uh, so probably not someone that I'm really going after. Uh, next up, Zach Moss, who I would prefer over those other two, which I don't think a lot of people would. Uh, Deion Jackson looked bad this week. Uh, then Evan Hull got injured. And Jake Funk is never going to be the answer. So Moss, who was close to returning this week, could be back next week, but at the very least, we'll be back very soon. Uh, he was rumored to be the number one before getting injured, or at least like, you know, the primary backup to um, Jonathan Taylor, who's obviously not able to play right now. And so I think when Zach Moss comes back, and again, we don't know exactly what this room's going to look like long term. 
But if Moss comes back this week, we've still got a three-week stretch where we're not going to see Jonathan Taylor and very potentially, very high potential that long-term Taylor isn't on this team, isn't playing in week five. And so we could get a lot of weeks where Moss is seeing a significant snap share, is getting a lot of touches. Uh, and I can guarantee you, and mostly he's not available. Uh, for me, he's a priority add. I'd still go with Kyron, but I would want to be getting Zach Moss right now, just given you know the injury to Hull, uh, even if it's not long-term. We know Funk's not going to do anything, uh, and we know that like you know Deion Jackson did not look good this last week. Um, another backup you can look at is Tajay Spears. Um, less of an immediate impact than I think Moss can have, but he played the passing downs for the Titans. He outsnapped Derrick Henry in a game of Titans lost by one. I think that's the big thing. It's like the Titans didn't lose by 30. This wasn't like Derrick Henry got all the snaps and then it was a blowout and then they used Tajay Spears. Like they were mixing him in. This is not to say that uh, Derrick Henry isn't going to be good this season. I mean, he had 119 yards and 17 touches. Like they're still going to get Derrick Henry's touches. It's just not going to be like 30 touches a game. They're going to mix Tajay Spears in. He's going to get snaps. Um, you can't use Tajay Spears right now, obviously, but it's speaks more to like their level of trust in him. If they are willing to have him get more touches than Derrick Henry in a close game, it means that if Derrick Henry goes down, he's going to be a stud. He's going to get a ton of touches. They fully trust him. He needs to be rostered 100% of leagues. You don't need to spend a high claim on him, but maybe just given that he didn't get that many touches in the game and we know the role is there now, maybe someone you add after claims and kind of like, you know, take a shot on it and say, okay, hopefully someone doesn't put in a claim in for him. Hopefully someone doesn't use a ton of fab and I can get him in the ads. Um, Joshua Kelly, very, very similar, but I think you run more of a risk that someone's going to claim Kelly, someone's going to put more fab in for him. Um, I drafted Kelly on the team that I had Austin Eckler. I was basically like, I invested heavily in Eckler and Pollard. I kind of abandoned running back for a little bit in the middle rounds. And so I was like, well, I want to just secure that first pick. If Eckler goes down, I'll just throw Kelly into that spot. Um, just a safety sort of thing instead of taking someone else's handcuff. Um, but honestly, he should have been rostered in, in more leagues. Like I should have probably had him a little bit higher in the rankings. Um, because look at the touches, look at the snaps. I mean, one thing I want to point out is I'm going to show how it was very, very close. There were so many plays, right? I mean, they ran a billion offensive plays. The Chargers are not going to run 80 plays per game. And so when that's lower, you're going to see the split a little bit wider between Eckler and Kelly. But Kelly still played 38 snaps to Eckler's 41. Um, it was a close game. It was very back and forth, so this wasn't a blowout, uh, kind of like I said with the Titans. Uh, Kelly still ran 17 pass routes to Eckler's 24. They both had 16 carries. Um, Eckler's still better, right? He's better on the ground. He commanded five targets on those 24 routes. You know, Kelly only had one target on his 17. So you're not going to see the same production, and you're not going to see a touchdown every week from Kelly, and you're not going to see 80 plays per game, but the point is, is he's going to see usage. He's maybe someone you can mix in in weeks you think they're going to win. He's going to get usage in those weeks. But if Eckler got injured, it's like with Spears. If you have that injury, we know who the backup is. We know the production will be there. We know they'll be great in fantasy. So they have to be rostered. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell up next. Um, likely rostered in a lot of leagues, but if he's not, definitely worth going after. Played 41 snaps. We had DeAndre Swift play only 19. Uh, Boston Scott played eight. We had Penny, a healthy scratch. Touches went 18 for Gainwell, 3 for Swift, 2 for Boston Scott. Um, I do not want people to overreact here. Um, I truly believe that the Eagles will use DeAndre Swift more. I truly believe that some weeks Penny 
will be active. Uh, but for the time being, you know, if this is the usage we should expect, then Gainwell obviously has upside if he's getting that many touches in this offense, especially they're not going to play the Patriots every week. Like they had a bad game because it was, you know, raining a bunch. So it was a tough spot, but it was in New England in week one. Like that's a terrible place to play. The Eagles are going to be fine. They're going to score over 30 points a lot of weeks. Um, like their lead back's going to be very, very fantasy relevant. If this is the usage we can see in the short term, even he's worth rostering. Just don't overreact. Don't think that he's some amazing ad because I don't think this usually will stick all season. Uh, switching to tight ends because I know, you know, tight ends is a tough spot. Many people drafted tight ends that didn't do that well, but there are actually a lot of options that are available in a lot of leagues. Not amazing options. No one that's going to compete with like Andrews and, and Kelsey when they're actually healthy, uh, compete with like, you know, the Hawkinsons of the world, things like that. But, um, some decent options. So one, I want to say, don't panic on Chigakonkwo. Um, definitely, if someone drops him and like you double dipped late and one of them busted, I think it's worth picking up Chigakonkwo. Uh, the usage was there. The snaps were there. It was just, if you look at um, the matchup, it was terrible. I have a new matchups column uh, on the rankings. So like right next to a player's ranking, you're going to see matchup. Red is bad. Green is good. For those of you who are a little confused by it, I have a whole write-up on it. But the point is, uh, if you just sorted by bad matchups for tight ends, you would see Chigakonkwo at the top. It was a horrific matchup for tight ends. We weren't expecting a ton of production. Plus, Tannehill missed him when he was wide open on like a, I don't know how far it was, maybe like a 40 or a 50-yard touchdown. He catches that. His production looks a little bit better. Uh, he played 95% of the offensive snaps. He's going to have good games. It was just a really bad matchup. Uh, played a ton of snaps. Going to have usage this season. He's a good tight end ad. Um, just had a down week and a bad matchup and got missed on a deep ball. So if you're desperate for tight end kind of later, you know, you double dipped. And one of them didn't work out or both of them didn't work out. Someone drops Chig. Go after him. Another tight end option is, uh, unfortunately, Zach Ertz. Because I want Trey McBride to be a thing. But Ertz played more than twice as many snaps as McBride. And this is like, you know, coming off of a major injury, not playing in the like the preseason, not getting, you know, many practice snaps, comes right in and Zach Ertz just has this sort of usage, led the team with nine targets. It's going to be a terrible team, but that means he's going to have to throw the ball a lot in second halves. Um, you know, any tight end commanding nine targets in a week where we were wondering if he'd be limited with injury, like, Zach Ertz just needs to be rostered everywhere. Uh, Logan Thomas as well, another one, because I think Cole Turner is better. But Cole Turner played 10 snaps to Logan Thomas's 58. Um, I mean, Logan Thomas tied with Jahan Dotson for the team lead with seven targets. He's something you can look at as well. So some of these like older injured tight ends that, you know, let's be honest, Logan Thomas, uh, Zach Ertz, probably not going to finish the season healthy, probably going to miss some time. But if they're going to be commanding seven and nine targets, then we need to be looking at them in fantasy. Um, one that I'm more excited about is Luke Musgrave. Um, played eight more snaps than any other Packers skill player. Was the clear receiving tight end, uh, even in week one as a rookie. So very, very strong role there. Would have had a touchdown if you watched that play. I don't know how he didn't score. He like falls down when he's wide open, walking backwards, super slow to get up, and then gets tackled down again. Like should have had a touchdown game, but still... Very good usage, good amount of air yards. Like he's gonna have a very good role. Obviously, when you have a healthy Dobbs playing full snaps, when you got Christian Watson coming back, they're taking a lot more targets. Uh, but Musgrave's going to be the receiving tight end on this team. He's going to be good. He's a quality, like high-end tight end too. Um, a potential add I just want to throw out there is Irv Smith. If you can't get any of them, um, which you, you definitely can. So you probably don't need to get Irv Smith. But um, one I just want to keep an eye on, really, because he had a 20% target share, and you're like, oh. If he had a 20% target share, you told me that going into the week, I'd have been like, was he a top five tight end? 
No, I mean, the Bengals were horrific, but it was a divisional opponent. It was pouring rain. Burrow missed most of camp with an injury. And so looking back, we probably should have predicted not this, right? Not that horrible of a performance from the Bengals, but not a good game, right? So Bengals are going to bounce back. Um, all of their players are by low candidates, in my opinion. Uh, and also watching Irv Smith, I didn't think he looked very good. I thought he looked kind of slow, not so great, getting more dump-offs than anything. But they talked about how they're going to use him a little bit downfield. Maybe that'll develop into the season. Uh, but the fact is, like, if he had a 20% target share on the Bengals, if that holds, he's a stud. More a situation to monitor, though. He didn't play that great. Uh, there are other tight ends I go after. So keep an eye on him. I don't think you need to be adding him unless it's more of a deeper format. And if it's a deeper format, he probably already is rostered. Just going over those two names, again, that I talked about before. Algier, Nico Collins, um, probably rostered in most formats. Uh, but I had to mention them because if they're not, yes, definitely add them. Algier, um, usage is going to drop, obviously, with Bijan getting more touches, right? I mean, Bijan's going to be used more and more as the season goes along. Uh, but, you know, Atlanta is going to run the ball a ton. They're going to win games this season because they are a decent team and they have a very, very easy schedule. They have a top three run blocking offensive line. Like, Algier is going to see usage. Uh, and it's the same thing where it's like, you know, if Bijan went down, Algier is probably a top 10 running back. He's not going to score two touchdowns every week. A lot of those are going to go to Bijan, but he needs to be rostered. Uh, and then Nico Collins, you know, 11 targets on a Texans offense that threw the ball a lot more in the game was like early on, like they were pretty pass heavy. Uh, if they're going to stay this pass heavy, you know, CJ Shroud's going to develop as the season goes along. Nico's going to be probably their number one wide receiver. 11 targets this week, good downfield usage. Uh, he's someone that needs to be rostered, but again, he probably already was rostered. So, those are top options at skill players this week. I'll add in quarterback and defense streaming option to like a pin comment at the bottom of this video. And then again, on my website, I order everything top to bottom, but I kind of went over my general order in this one as well. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to end up doing the trade targets video. Thursday will probably be the start sit video. And then either Friday or Saturday is going to be the underdog pick them video. That, my friends, is in this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.